about the importance of the woman's voice in all aspects of the work we choose to do. Your experience facing and overcoming adversity is actually one of your biggest advantages. Out of the huts of history, shame, I rhyme. What I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. Up from a past rooted in pain, I rhyme. Great morning, folks, and thank you for listening to Her Story Podcast. Her, H-E-R, it's an acronym for Heroic, Empowering, and Resilient. It's a self-improvement, self-acceptance, and women empowerment podcast. My main purpose is to encourage, empower, and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversity. Each of us has a story. Maybe it's an illness, a financial burden, or a dead-end job. In general, Unforeseen circumstances can make you feel isolated or alone. When you feel like you've hit rock bottom, it doesn't mean that it is the end of your story. It is within the darkest nights we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers you are facing today, and they didn't give up. They used their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships, so can you, because you are her. Heroic empowering and resilient. So magnificent morning, good people. Again, it is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. As you all know, tune in week to week to have an engagement and conversation with business women, women of color who are ready to share their stories throughout the country. The overall purpose of the brand of her story is to not only have a conversation of adversity over triumph, but to also create a cadre of like-minded women being able to share their personal experiences, their businesses, and grow within each other. Today, I have the pleasure of having Ms. Kayanka Riggs, who is the founder of the Risen Queen Foundation and owner of several businesses that fund and sponsor survivors of of domestic violence. As you all know, October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And the reality is, unfortunate reality of it is, is that domestic violence number have risen throughout this country, particularly Black women, and even more so during the pandemic. But although she has been and suffered through the experiences of domestic violence, Kayanka is a warrior, right? Although she and her children are survivors, she is also a successful mother, a businesswoman, a scientist, philanthropist, and empowerment coach. Her story, her adversities did not define who she was. She is a country Creole girl. Shout out to the country Creole girls. Y'all know I, I love to highlight and share that myself. I'm from the city of Opelousas and a proud alumnus of the Southern University A&M College in Baton Rouge. And she has truly been an inspiration to others from sharing her story from a healed perspective and encourages women. And her ultimate mission is to use her strengths and skills to restore abused mothers and children back to stability. And we have so much more that we can go into. Kate, welcome to Her Story Podcast. How are you? I am doing marvelous, dear. Thank you for having me. 
Yes, yes. Thank you for joining this platform. Um, I know you and I have spoken, you know, quite for some years at this time as yeah. it relates to you uh, sharing your story, right? In the moment when you found that it would be perfect for you to be able to share your story and knowing that other women are also may have been impacted in their truth, their strength and healing in doing that. So outside of that great bio, please share a little bit about yourself to the listeners. Well, my little can still be a lot, but I, I have a very, very big personality. Uh, I am such a social butterfly, but surprisingly, I am a loner. Uh, after this experience, it kind of uh, changed a lot about how I do life, but I still socialize uh, a lot. I spend a lot of time with myself and um, just doing self-edification and just taking the time to make sure that my healing is always my ultimate priority. I intentionally love on myself a lot by doing activities or intending events that I have a strong desire to experience. I am also a mother of two beautiful, brilliant children. Uh, my daughter is 16 and my son is 11. I was a young teenage mom. And although it came with its challenges, my children are some of my most favorite little people in the world, my travel partners. Uh, we have done a lot of life together. Uh, we've had our, you know, our ups and our downs. We have definitely experienced the pit, but we're definitely in the palace now. Yes, I love that. You are definitely in the palace now. And in saying that, Kate, you know, a lot of women at times are intimidated or afraid to share their story. And we often mask how we are feeling, right? We may wear a smile, but in our homes and in our personal stories with our lives, sometimes it's often chaos. And as I shared before, you know, unfortunately, domestic violence, it rose to an all-time high at the height of the pandemic. And many individuals, they can't even fathom or put their mind around escaping. There are so many people who often say, you know, that couldn't be me, right? But no one can say what they would do or how they would react unless they are in that individual's shoes, unless they are in that position. And so I want you to kind of share a little bit about that turning point within your life that allowed you to break or to escape from that period of abuse. When did it really have a, a turning point or epiphany where you had enough and enough was enough for you? Well, my faith definitely uh, played a very, very uh, big role in my leaving. Um, a good situation for me, I uh, never shack up with my past or if we're not married, that's kind of something that uh, helps for me as well because I have a little bit more time to plan my escape. I can be with myself and um, truly have that time to sit down with me and not be interrupted. So I was like really tired. I had enough. I was on E and I made a decision to choose me and stand up for me. I was very selfless. Uh, this was a person that I do share a child with and I was understanding for a while, but in that stress, in that stress in our relationship, the conflict was I just wanted to co-parent and the other parent desired a relationship but there were some things that kind of just like I wasn't willing to just marry my life with. So during that 
time, October 5th, 2015, uh, that particular day, it was a lot. I was beat very bad. And in that month, I was preparing for my initial sermon. I am a licensed minister. And October 25th, I was preparing to deliver that sermon. And it was in that time that I just, I was doing a lot of reflecting for that preparation because the goal of the initial sermon is, is to preach yourself. You're going to preach about your shortcomings and how you overcame and how you were triumphant. So it's like my sermon was ministering to me in that same month. And so again, my faith played a big part of why I left. And October 5th was a very brutal, gruesome day for me. Uh, I remember too, it was raining. And I remember this is a trigger for any survivors or those who may be going through. Uh, I was being strangled with a shirt uh, that he took off and I was on my knees. And I remember thinking if I go dead weight, he's going to lose control. And so I did that and that happened. And I remember whispering to God and I said, if you get me out of this, I will never look back. And I didn't. And my initial sermon, the title was My Life Matters. And I just made a vow to never be so selfless and take care of my emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. And I, I want to thank you so much for sharing that, Kate, because I, I know at times um, it may be difficult to revisit that, right? But within your resiliency and knowing the importance of sharing it and how other women can relate to that story, it may empower someone else to, to take a, a step back and to push away from that um, current situation that they may be facing as well. So uh, I want to say within sharing your story, there is strength within sharing your story. I also think that it's very ironic that epiphany and that breaking point that you asked God to get you out of that situation was in October. And yes. here we are in October and it's domestic violence awareness month, right? And everything is so intentional and everything yes. truly does happen for a reason. And a another uh, piece of that is being able to lead from a place of healing, right? Going through so much, um, having to be strong for your children, having to be strong for others around you that may may not necessarily know what you were feeling within that within that moment or throughout those years, how you were impacted. So, can you speak about the, that place of healing? Like, what were some pivotal steps that led you to that healing phase? Because I know it wasn't something that was done overnight, right? It, it's years that it was built up. And then it's years of continual healing as well. And I know that you're a spiritual woman. I know that you're a woman of faith and you're a godly woman. But again, can you share with others some of those steps to your healing phase? And how would you encourage others to break through that as well? So I will say my children really, really like just thinking about their story and what they would say in their older age of, you know, what transpired and how did I protect them and save them? Because, you know, we all grow up and as adults, we share a lot of what happened in our childhood and what 
hurt us. And I kind of sat with myself, like I have control of my children's testimony um, and I really want them to be well. So I focused on my children children a lot and their emotional well-being and physical because if I was off kiltered if I was broken in a you know bruise like I couldn't be the best mother there were days where I had to sit and get myself together you know and how am I gonna cook how am I gonna you know be okay for my children so that kind of gave me a push and so I was very committed to to my long-term healing. And I believe I could not empower others from such a wounded state. Um, I definitely encourage others to seek therapy. I got in therapy immediately. And I just feel like it's, it is important that we have that unbiased counsel that is, you know, trained and skilled to provide those life skills that are beneficial for our long-term healing and evolution. Although our intimate circle of friends and family can be great confidants and encouragers, they are not skilled therapists. Therapists do not have, you know, like that emotional investment, like our soul tribe. Uh, so they can give us what we need and those skills, you know, they become our life skills. You know, our soul tribe, you know, can get weary, you know, and carrying our heavy and that can also cause some unintentional stress on specific relationships. And so I will say, I just, my children, I, I just, I had to make sure that our atmosphere was an atmosphere of peace and, and love. And so I had to dissolve a, a situation that was interrupting that. So in that moment, my children kind of pushed me. Uh, that was that pivotal moment for me. Like, my God, you know, like it affects their mental in school, you know, my children weren't doing well academically because of what was happening, you know, sometimes at home, you know, and it just, if I wasn't well, I wasn't the best mom that I can be either. I was irritable. Uh, when you are abused, you don't give out your best self, you know, uh, you're in this just survival mode that's just not healthy. For you or the people that's connected to you. I remember someone using a, um, like an example of if, although I may be protecting my children, if uh, you squeeze an orange and the juice splashes, like it's going to hit you, but your children going to get some of it too. And so that right there had helped me a lot too. Like my children, they aren't getting the, the direct hit or the direct force, but they are experiencing this traumatic time with me as well so I it was just my children and my children they never complained and even in us going and being having to leave our home and entering the shelters my children never complained so for that I would say uh, my children kind of just kind of looking at their faces and and watching them push through as much as they can that was where I said you know what I got to com be committed to our long-term healing, like heal, heal me so that I can be a better mom as well. Yeah. And I think it, it's necessary that um, you saw that it was almost like a rippling effect, right? Like mm -hmm. you said, they weren't 
physically receiving the touches, but maybe emotionally. And then mm-hmm. it goes back to you being not being able to pour from an empty cup. It uh, affects mm-hmm. your overall well-being as a mother, as um, a, a career woman, as um, a, a servant leader. All of those things would re- literally take a toll on you. And um, I think, again, it, it's really empowering that you saw the need to elevate and to rise above that situation for your children. And sometimes just being a mother and sometimes being able to want more for yourself and your children is just enough. And essentially that was the the center and the, the boulder block within your overall situation. And when you think about restored healing, when you think about restoring other families, again, a center block for you are, is a mother and children. And I think the experiences that you dealt with throughout the years helps you heighten that focus towards restoring mother and children back to that sense of stability. So can you share a little bit about that, how it's your overall mission to use those skill sets to help restore mothers and children? Yes. So stability is something that my mom has truly, truly instilled in um, me and my sister. I come from a very well family. Um, stability is is highlighted in so many ways. And the first thing, you know, I I started studying wealth. Like when I was about twenty two, um, I'll be thirty three in December. So for when I was in my early twenties, I, I studied wealth and, you know, without the knowledge of money and wealth, you know, it's kind of hard for a mother and her children to stand on their own, you know, especially if the man, the masculine is the breadwinner and the provider, it is hard for them to move on. They don't understand uh, finances. And so I will say I have experienced financial security in ways that I am forever grateful for. My mom, you know, really secured us and we've always had a stable home. And I remember thinking how, you know, I moved to North Carolina and I didn't have my family support and my mom, you know, it's only so much she could do. And so when we were in the shelter, uh, one of the things that kind of bothered me was that after leaving such a traumatic experience, the only thing that the shelter offered was to put these women and children in low-income homes. And those low-income areas always have high crime. And so I was like, I can't do that. Like I'm already in survival mode. So I, a family opened up their home to me. It was my daughter's teacher. And I'm still like so grateful for them because they were strangers, but they knew us. They knew our hearts. She knew what we were experiencing. And so I was forever grateful for that, that I didn't have to go into low income housing. And so eventually I had to move home and I had my mom's other property to live on, you know, because he was aware of my mom's residence. So I had to go to another uh, property that she owned, you know, and I stayed there. And again, that is just 
that stability that has been, it has been shown to me, it has been taught to me. So in restoring other mothers, my foundation, you know, teaches financial skills and how to be disciplined in like your spending and what it's going to take to gain that stability. And also I do fundraisers with other business owners who have a compassion of for my mission and um, for, you know, survivors of domestic violence to help raise money to provide startup costs such as, you know, the down payment for in a, a good apartment, um, your utilities, you know, those are like funding that is not available um, from the government or just dealing with DCFS or just having any type of assistance. It's, it's very hard, you know, for a woman to get herself together, you know, after like just trying to understand what stability looks like. So I am grateful that I am able, you know, to be that example. And I have that knowledge to be able to pass on to, you know, if they are open to to being disciplined and just taking on like those skills and making it a part of your life skills. You know, I, I do see it is effective and I have helped a lot of survivors, you know, like, Hey, when you do this, look, do this. Uh, when you get a lump sum of money, do this, you know, like, and it has truly, truly changed their lives. So I will say, you know, those skill sets definitely help you know, maintain stability, you will gain it, but you still have to know how to maintain it. Yes, you, you know, you definitely have to be disciplined, you know, as um, one of the old sayings is, you know, if you can't manage, you know, $5, you won't be able to manage a, a hundred, you know, if you can't manage 50, you won't be able to manage 250. So you definitely have to be disciplined. And again, I, I think that it's so important to have a strong village, right? So for you, yes. for instance, you are able to have the village around you, such as you, you mentioned your, um you know, your child's teacher you had your mother there for some financial support and stability and you being that village for other women is so important because the reality of it is not everyone is going to have that village of family and network but you being able to provide that to other women knowing what you went through and knowing what's necessary to see yourself on the other side to see yourself yeah. elevate to be able to provide for your children again I think it's phenomenal because you're not just thinking about yourself, right? You have a success story. You're able to stay afloat. You're able to share your story, but now you are providing a pathway for other women to be able to share their stories because you're giving them the forefront to be able to provide that financial stability and support so that they can live, literally live to see another day. Yeah. So again, very, very admirable. And as you've shared your story, as we've shared and, and listened to your bio, of course, that those adversities continuously don't defy you at all. You know, you use it again to motivate and to power other women. What advice would you give to someone who may feel as though they're hopeless, right? Who may be, may even be in a, a domestic uh, violence uh, situation that may not necessarily have children. What advice would you give someone who may see no potential way out? I will say this. The first thing is when you're ready, you have to get really quiet about 
your strategies and your plan. Um, I have, you know, witnessed women that I went to high school and junior high with, you know, the one thing I always notice and hear is that they were talking too much. They were telling too much. And not everyone is designed to handle your heavy. So in getting ready to make that exit and and have a really good chance of living, get quiet. And I remember a friend, one of my confidants telling me, okay, I think it would be wise to just play like everything is all well. So don't change your routine. Don't do anything suspicious. Keep everything on the up and up. Routines need to stay the same. We need to be as happy as possible. Uh, we don't give any notice or any hunches that we are trying to plan an exit. And I will say I was extremely successful as well in that. That helped me a lot. I had to kind of act and acting is not my strong suit because I am a very uh, transparent person, uh, especially with my circle. So I was vocal to my intimate circle about my upsets and my frustrations. And I knew that I can confide in them. My cousin was a really, really good source for me. She, I will say I value my relationship with her so much because she and I are also friends. We came up as friends. We were classmates, you know, and we've been together for 20 plus years and she was part of my plan. So as I was in North Carolina, she was in Georgia and I actually left like in the middle of the week. And what I did, I started talking to the agencies. So you want to get in touch with a domestic violence agency because you'll have advocates where you can talk your plan out and they can give you help. CPS will not be involved because you are trying to get your plan together. Talking to family and friends that like to gossip, mm-mm. That's not our option. You have to talk to people who can hold that and have your best interest and know that if you talk about this, there's a possibility that you will have to bury me. So that's how serious this has to get. You have to be so intentional about who you share with and who you don't share with. And my cousin was actually going home with both of my Palooses. And I remember her saying, Kay, I'm going to wait for you. Because I, I had, I, life just was, crazy. I remember uh, blowing the engine out of my car. And so I had no way of getting to her, but by bus, because that's all I could afford. I had to leave certain things. I had to ship certain things before me, uh, like by FedEx. And so I remember talking to the school and I told them, I said, hey, you know, this is what's happening. I talked to the guidance counselor. I said, this is, we're making an exit. So I need my daughter to have had all her tests done because we're leaving. And they were in full support. There was no alarms. It's like, you have to talk, but talk to people who does not have any association with your family, with people who you know, who's going to kind of jeopardize your plan. So I left. I never forget it was a Tuesday. I got on the bus in the middle of the week, <laughs> just 
out the blue and I met my cousin in Atlanta and I made it home. My mom also was very helpful um, with, I shared, she never judged me. Um, she just was, she just always felt like, you know, my daughter is strong and she's intelligent and I know she gonna make her way out of this, you know? My sister, unfortunately, had to be, she was one of those family members that jeopardized my plan. And I understood where and her why, like what happened. Like she was fed up and she kind of made the phone call to my daughter's father. And the phone call was more so like, like, I need you to stop or we're going to have to come out there. And in his response, he had to be very clever, very charming man, very manipulative though. And he had to he had to spin the story a certain way to neutralize my family because uh, my dad uh, is some things I won't share, but my dad do not play about his children. And so he because he's aware of who my father is, it was like he didn't want those problems so it's like let me neutralize her family and he was able to kind of turn my sister against me and she has you know talked to me about it but her aftermath was it was a lot it caused a lot of pain she called specific aunties that gossip just to get my stuff out there and it it really hurt me because it's like my goodness like I never wanted my abuse out there because at one time I felt like it made me look weak and everyone always seen me as this pillar of strength and so that kind of really really put me in a bad position like it it, it was just it was bad it was bad so that is one of those situations where you have to be very careful of who you share with and know that these people have your best interests or it could get deadly. It could get really deadly. I have learned from that, you know, again, who I can share with and who you can't share with. So I will say that, you know, always be intentional about who you share with. It's best to kind of talk to your uh, local agency and those advocates will help you with a plan because most advocates are survivors. I will say that they do share in it because it comes from a place of compassion because they've experienced it. Uh, so yes, that was a lot <laughs> to share about that advice, but I'm sharing for what has worked for me. That has definitely worked. And I have helped other survivors get out using that same method, get quiet. And there's no talking even to the, even if children are involved, you don't talk. If children aren't involved, there's more reason to dissolve immediately, you know? So I will say, you know, stick to that and don't listen to your heart. <laughs> listen, listen to the wisdom that is being poured into your heart will guide you all the way wrong, all the way wrong. So listen to your intuition and your wisdom. Yeah, definitely. And I think overall, uh, which you stress was the importance of confidentiality, right? And yes. even when it goes back to when we're talking about therapy, it's important that when you are going through whatever type of situations that you confide in individuals that would have an unbiased opinion. And I think what's truth within your story, unfortunately, it's those that may be the closest to us that may not always have the best interests, or they may think that they have 
have the best alternative, but that alternative may be right for them. Or if they were in a particular situation, that doesn't mean that that's a solution for your life, for your story, or exactly what you're going through. You know, um, I had a similar situation with uh, a friend of mine, right? She was going through a lot as related to uh, abuse within her family, within her marriage, and upon her children. And those on the outside who were the closest to her were trying to tell her to to stay within her marriage, right? To to not break away from that situation. But Mm -hmm. um, like you said, she had to listen to other entities, to other agencies, to find sound advice from therapy, from counseling, from attorneys, to give her the best suitable advice for herself and for her children and make those own decisions what was best for her and her family. And I think that's critical. Overall, you have to do what is best for you, despite what others may say, right? Because as you know, as the old folks say, when you're doing good, they're going to talk about you. When you're doing bad, they're going to talk about you. Yeah. At the end of the day, the only person you have is yourself and your family. And for you, it was you and your children. And so, Kay, with that being said, you know, again, you being a coach, you being a mentor, you being a philanthropist, you being able to really help others that are directly impacted by domestic violence and abuse. Can you share some contact information or your social media handle for others to get in contact with you? Well, you can find me at 24 Carat Gold on Instagram. That's 24 KT Gold. I do have uh, a plant based home care line that I use to fund my domestic violence foundation. And I am also in a wedding and event uh, planning. Uh, now as well. I do a lot of partnerships um, with other businesses. I do a lot of philanthropy work. Although uh, October is usually like highlighted more with cancer awareness. Uh, I kind of take on the domestic violence awareness, but I do a lot of cancer awareness events uh, because that also is something that has affected uh, me greatly. My grandfather passed from pancreatic and two of my most favorite aunties uh, passed on from breast cancer. And so I use a lot of my businesses and my networking opportunities to still fund my foundation. So I make a lot of connections that way. Uh, I'm definitely always looking for business partnerships with others, women and specifically who are passionate about this particular cause. You know, um, I tell a lot of my people, I love what I do. A lot of things is really not to fund my life. Uh, Fortunately, and I'm so forever grateful that I am uh, secured financially. So my business is really, you know, to fund my foundation. So uh, again, to find me, you can find me at 24 Carry Gold on IG, uh, just Kayanka Riggs on Facebook, that's K-A-Y-O-N-C-A. And also I have a, my Risen Queen page is also available on Instagram and Facebook. 
So there you have it, folks. Kayako Riggs, thank you so much for sharing your story, Kay. Yes, thank you for having me, dear. You are welcome. And listeners, in closing, always remember your story is not solely for you to hold on to. It is meant for you to share with others, particularly other women who may be going through the very same barriers or hurdles that you may have faced. You don't have to be ashamed and you definitely don't have to be afraid to share your story. Speak prosperity over your life. You are a victor. You are a winner and you will not be defeated. You declare growth and prosperity and troubles don't last always. You are brilliant, bold, and beautiful. You are her heroic, empowering, and resilient. And if you are encouraged, motivated, or inspired in any way, tell a friend to tell a friend. Please share this episode with your network. Her story is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google Play. And again, this is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast, and we're out.